There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Now, we're going to look at CVs. How is yours? Could it be in better shape? Does it need improving? We've got three experts with all the answers. Drive Live Talks Careers. So we are joined in the studio by three guests. So it's a jam-packed careers today, actually. Warm welcome to Sarah Al-Samurai, who's an associate of Fiction Co. Sarah, really good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to be back. And Adam Manchang, you're the operating director of the UAE Finance Banking and secretarial teams for the Page Group Middle East. Really good to have you on the programme. Welcome. Thanks very much. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. And David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones. Good to have you on the programme too. I want, I want a better title. What do you want me to call you today? I'll just add a load of things on. Um, okay, David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones. If you couldn't guess by the McKenzie in his name <laughs> and McKenzie Jones, there's some connection. He's Thank kind of important. Thank you very much. Feeling better? Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay, today, as we mentioned, we're going to be talking all about what makes a good CV. And if you have any questions, whether they're of a legal nature, Sarah can tackle those, or if it's a recruitment HR angle, David and Adam are more than capable. We are talking about CVs in a few minutes' time. And if you have any queries about that, you can text us 4001, or if you have the Dubai Eye app, you can message us for free. That new number, of course, 04871 5500. Now, first of all, let have a little chat to you all about what you've been up to. Now, Adam, uh, Michael Page, where you work, has released a report on benefits in terms of attracting the best talent. And we know sometimes the market can be tough, but sometimes if you want to hire the best talent and the most capable person, you're going to have to put the groundwork in. Absolutely. And look, we um, recently surveyed over 1,100 candidates um, there were those applicants that were applying for jobs with our, through our website directly. And uh, the topic was on benefits and culture and to see what people out there really want. And uh, look, superficially, the results were pretty obvious. 92% um, of job seekers wanted benefits and perks. It's quite clear. It's obvious. 80% wanted um, to uh, understand about the corporate culture before joining and 95% of job seekers believe the corporate culture of a company is absolutely pivotal and a must. But what I found more interesting and pertinent was the fact that when I first came to Dubai almost 10 years ago now, people cared about money. It was yeah. money, money, money. But What's now, the salary? What's absolutely. The salary, salary, yeah. salary, salary. But uh, I can see um, Dave smiling now, but there's been an absolute transition and shift towards you know, benefits, mm. culture, and beyond benefits purely being monetary, such as education, it's benefits such as, you know, do I get flexibility as a mother? Do I get to have flexi hours? Can I go to the gym at lunch and work a bit later? And there's been an absolute transition um, towards a more flexi working culture, mm. which I think has impacted um, the landscape of Dubai um, and the corporate world as a whole. And Sarah, we talked about this last time you were here. You sort of said for you personally, being able to go to the gym helps you in work. It helps you be sort of a better employee. I remember you sort of quite clearly about that. And I guess lots of people now aren't just looking at the salary package. As Adam says, you're thinking, well, is there a gym on site? Is there somewhere that makes really healthy food or smoothies? Is there some kind of networking stuff that I can do outside of work or other social get togethers? I know in the legal profession, sometimes people think it can be quite straight laced, but you know, quality of life and some of those added benefits are quite important. Yes, of course, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, 
I think you know benefits and uh, the workplace environment it, it plays a huge role. Um, especially, you know, the most important thing is that you kind of want to feel appreciated as well. Um, so I think having those benefits, um, you would kind of feel a bit more appreciated. And David, you are, you know, you're a, one of those people that have turned to exercise and you exercise in a big way. And you what, okay? what, what do you mean turn to exercise? Well, like you're really into it, aren't you? You do like <laughs> Iron Man, yes. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man and stuff mm. like that. But you very much um, <clears throat> offer that kind of, you know, fitness and approach, holistic approach to mm. the working environment for your employees too. Yeah, look, I think Adam's point is a very good one. People used to come here for a huge paycheck but I think there's a bit more to it now and they, yeah. they want quality of life they want long term career and they want to go and see their kids um, go to school plays or go out and exercise like Sarah yeah. does you know I think we need to look beyond just the salary check now and also em- employees need to look beyond that you know what are they adding value so you can go off and spend an hour in the gym each day and do you think, you know, David, your kids are grown up now, but mm. do you think things like education allowances are still super important? Or do you think there's maybe a shift away to those, shift away from those kinds of benefits? I think away from those. I think that the problem we're facing in Dubai at the moment is that so many people are leaving because it's so expensive to live here. And mm. I think the, the schooling allowances are disappearing. So you need to look at it a different way. So what's happening now? Partners are having to work. Yeah. So we're becoming a normal place. Like mm. <laughs> look in that space. <laughs> so your hubby works, you work. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a we're becoming a normalised country in terms of the work patterns and and why people come here because they come here for, you know, not just two years anymore. They're coming mm. here for ten years and they're buying houses and that that's that's a big shift, I think. I mean, that's it. There's, there's a whole change in mentality. I mean, when I mm. first came here, it was people came for two three years. That was it. I celebrated 15 years here this month, which is crazy. Congratulations. So it's just, you know, it's about nurturing the staff and expanding um, your horizons and seeing, you know, it's a two-way street. Staff obviously want to be looked after and companies have to look after their staff a little bit more and, um, like I say, nurture that workforce and give Mm. them a good environment to stay in. But but I think you're attracting a different type of person now Mm. because people are coming Mm. here not just for money. They're going, what are the opportunities? Can I take a leapfrog in my career? And can I stay there for 10 years? Where will my career go? And I think they're asking those questions. And uh, the change in things like visas is making all the difference too. The, the yeah. ability to stay for much longer is appealing to people. And um, also I, what I found interesting was that the um, you know, non-core benefits yeah. are perhaps benefits that the SMEs and the less cash-rich cash rich, um, businesses um, can utilise to their advantage. So, um, you know, Gone are the gone's the requirement for business class flights. It's not a necessity anymore. People know that you're not going to get it, um, but they would love to have the early finishes, the dress down days, and those mm. things are becoming more and more meaningful. Okay, uh, just a quick uh, introduction to CVs, David. How many do you you know? You must get so many CVs on mm. on your desk yep. and lots of your colleagues. Just very briefly outline to people what sort of gets a CV straight into the rubbish pile. <laughs> I never put them in rubbish piles. In no. LT. Save no, them okay. for later. What, what, what makes us pay? I think relevance to the job we're recruiting for. Yeah. The, the Middle East is terrible for this. You know, you put a job for an HR manager and you'll get, um, we get about eight or eight or 900 CVs per job. So wow. trying mm. to sift through those takes three to four hours. So we look at, do they have the relevant experience? Are they an HR person or are they a sales director that want, wants to get into HR? I know we've had this conversation about switching jobs, but we look for the most relevant things and sort them, and then we look through those properly. And 
Adam, would you agree with what David's saying? 100%. It's about relevance. Um, CVs being 20 pages, uh, bad pictures, oh, um, no. highlighted CVs in yellow. Um, I don't know, people applying for the completely wrong jobs, taxi drivers applying for CFO roles. Um, it's all out there. And in terms of the volume that Dave just mentioned, my God, a thousand, two thousand applications per job. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And Sarah, in terms of uh, the legal side of things, of course, you know, the minute someone does not have the legal qualifications, that's an automatic no. But are there a few other things that stick out in your mind? Well, actually, uh, when it comes to the legal profession, we're um, a bit more um, stringent with the requirements. Mm. So if I see a spelling mistake, then that's an immediate no for me. Really? Like grammar mistakes. Yeah, of course. Because, I mean, if you can't form a sentence together, how are you going to advise clients? I mean, this is the kind of, you know, thing that we're looking for. So it's just, you know, the basic um, basic skills that have to be there and that has to be highlighted. This is a good point. I I went through some CVs this morning for 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 a client in Saudi. The same thing, there were so many typos in spelling. But if you look at some of our Arabic candidates, their their language skills aren't quite up to the the standard that sometimes we expect, and and they'll spell things wrong. We tend to give them a bit of leeway on that. And I think that's understandable Mm. when English isn't your first language, but when it is... That's a different story. True, I agree with that. I think yeah. it, you know, if you've got somebody who's uh, from Europe or, and they and they spell something wrong or it's very obvious, you've got you've got automatic spell check. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not difficult. I is think. It? I mean, I feel like it doesn't really matter where you come from. I mean, if you're going to be applying for a job, if you're going to put in all that effort, the application has to be um, spot on. But the, but the reality is they're not. Yeah. And and well. I've placed <laughs> candidates before that you look at their CV and think that was so badly written. But when you interview them, that that's why we're paid the money we are. Right. Which is very little, by the way. <laughs> oh, um, here because we go. We, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, our job is to, to to sort out on when you meet the people what doesn't translate from on paper, and that's our skill. Right. It's our only skill, actually, um, and matching the the right people for the right jobs. Drive live talks careers. We are talking careers on Drive Live today. We have three guests. In the studio, Sarah Al Samurai, who's an associate at Fixed Enco, Adam Anchang, who's operating director of the UAE Finance Banking and secretarial teams for Page Group Middle East, and David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones. He's really important. There you go, as requested. Your title sounds better. Thank you, Dad. So we're talking all about CVs, and we've got lots of uh, texting actually. So we will crack on with these. The first question comes in and says. Um, I'm currently working as a CEO and finding it really hard to find roles or interviews with a step down in position. Any ideas? So, um, Adam, I'll come to you with that first of all, because this is an unusual question that we get. So someone is at a CEO level, maybe uh, their kids have left home, maybe they want to just have a job that's not quite as stressful. So they want to step down rather than forward. And they're struggling to find people that are going to say, uh, okay, you can come and have an interview. I guess many companies are, are frightened of that CEO title. Yeah, thanks. And um, good question, and one that I get a lot, actually. But um, look, I think there's different ways of looking for work. If you're going to go to, let's say, a recruiter or directly approach uh, businesses on LinkedIn, they're automatically going to look at your CV with a fairly cynical eye on this one. Um, the, fi- the avenue that I would actually suggest would be you know, to get to a position such as a CEO, you've had to spend an entire career leveraging contacts, harvesting networks, and being incredibly successful at what you do. And I think over that tenure, there'll be many, many instances where you would have made some excellent contacts in the most senior echelons of you know, Dubai's uh, commerce and industry. And personally, I feel that 
um, the best avenue would be to um, speak to all of the contacts and networks that you have created over these years and convince them and uh, sell to them. And uh, for me, that's going to be probably the, the best option in that regard. And David, is that something that you would agree with? Yeah, I think it's a, you've got to use your networks here. But also look at, the, look at where you're working now. So if you're working for an earth-moving company, okay, back on that theme, yeah. um, and you've been a chief executive, talk to the people in your industry and show them what you can do where you can add value. It might be you might, if you're an accountant background, you might be able to add value by going as a CFO or a sales director. So don't just necessarily look at moving out of the industry as a CEO. But if you want to move down, you need to look, what are your, what are your skills? Mm. How can you apply them? And, and talk to the companies you know. And would there be, if you maybe worked for a company as a CEO that employed 500 people, would there be um, an opportunity, I'm just plucking random figures, to go to a company where you're a manager uh, with 1,000 employees? Uh, It's a really good point, absolutely, because it's scalability, isn't it? And I think you've got very relevant skills. Now, CEOs tend to come from either an accountancy background, a sales background or whatever. So look at what you did before and use that. You know, Go to the CEO of the the larger earth-moving company and say to him, look, I've done a sales director's job. I want to go in and I will build your sales by doing this and show them a plan. Okay, our next text, text message in. I guess this is something that a lot of people might come across. If I want to change my career path, how do I do that? And how do I go about reflecting that on my CV, David? It's, it's, it's a very difficult one to do in this market. Being really honest with you, mm. I'd love to say it's easy. It's not. You know, Moving from HR into sales is, is a very difficult thing to do because the moment there are more candidates than there are jobs. That's changing, by the way. I think I said last week about this. But you need to look at, if you're going to go into a company, you want to change industries from, say, uh, radio to FMCG, mm-hmm. move across in the role you're doing. So move as an HR director or an HR manager, probably an HR manager, and then look apply internally for a role. Or stay in your current company and say, look, I want to try something different. You know I'm good. I've got X amount of years' experience with you. Give me a shot at being a sales manager. Okay. And is it worth, just a question I wanted to ask you guys on this, is it worth, you know, if you have different skills and you've done different roles over the years, is it worth having two or three different CVs, depending what you're applying for in this kind of thing? Yeah, um, I mean, the the key thing that we uh, opened the discussion on was relevance and targeting your resume to the audience that you're applying to. And in that regard, if your career has spanned a number of different disciplines, I'd absolutely utilize that. So for sure, um, finance guys may have covered sales, supply chain, procurement at times, and use your CV in that regard. Okay. The, the, the problem you do have with that is everyone's going to refer to LinkedIn. Yeah, this mm. is true. So if you, yeah. put a, you put your sales experience up there and it says, you know, finance director, they're going to go, well, he's either lying or there's a dis, you know, this, this is a different person. Mm. So you've got to be very careful because LinkedIn now, everyone uses a reference tool. So you have to be slightly careful. Do you think, though, if you're maybe moving to a completely different career, that's okay? You know, if it's something within the same industry, it's more difficult. But say, for example, you'd been um, working as an accountant for years and you wanted to retrain as a teacher and you're looking for roles where they have teacher training. Do you think if there's a dramatic change, it might be a bit easier? Something like that, no. I think because teaching is, is, you know, it's it's a very different... Yeah. It's a completely different career path. But I think if you're going from... um, uh, accountancy to being an HR person, it, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Or if mm. you're, you know, you're working for an FMCG firm as a salesperson and you want to move into a radio station, you'd move as a salesman. 
And then if you want to be in HR, that's your utopian dream. Work your way up through the company. The, the problem is we get loads of people saying this. I want to move careers. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> not, not they, they want, they want, you know, I, I just, I've seen so many people do this, and it's, it's a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's people, uh, our working careers are so long now, mm. they don't see themselves doing the same job forever. They're like, I want to do something else, and I want to do a complete one eighty and, and do but, something but completely why? different. The bit you've got to answer is, why do you want to be a, you know, a pet groomer if you've been a recruit, recruitment consultant for fifteen years? So if it's, I, I, I don't want that, that, that bit of selling and going to see yeah. client, the pressure I want to look after animals to re- then there's a reason for doing it yeah. Yeah, it's a much more compelling argument if, if you come to me and say I want to be a pet groomer I, I love dogs and I don't want to be a radio presenter anymore mm. it, there's, an, there's a reason why a lot of people just say I just want to change careers and it's usually because they're unhappy in their job and they don't know where to go yeah Sarah, would you say, you know, lots of people come into law through, you know, they they study law at university, they then do the qualification exams following that. Are you finding people are coming to law later on in life? And if they are, do they have a different skill set that they're bringing with them? Um, I think it depends um, because I feel like in North America, usually the standard is that they do go into law a little bit later in life. Um, I think that's just mainly because in North America, you usually have to do a degree before you go to law school. Whereas um, in Europe and in the Middle East, uh, I find that actually there's a lot of young law graduates. Um, and I, I kind of feel sorry for them because a lot of them are struggling. I mean, I get mm. a lot of messages on LinkedIn, you know, from interns, from, you know, either interns or law graduates or people who are still in law school and are asking us for positions, um, at, you know, for like intern positions at our, our firm. Um, and I think that's something that's a little bit difficult to tackle because they're, you know, they're too young um, to be able to, you know, um, kind of benefit uh, from our, you know, from our law firm experience. Um, and so it's, it's just a, it's, it's a tricky one, I think. Okay. I think there is a lot to be said, though, about someone who perhaps is changing career and brings a lot of experience. David, would you not hmm. say that, okay, it's unrealistic to say, well, I um, have been a radio presenter all this time and suddenly I want to be a banker because I heard they earn lots of money. That's not going to work. Because it's the wrong reasons. Yeah. And this is the bit, there needs to be a yeah. reason why okay. you're changing. And I think, you know, I, uh, I always think well, when I finish my career in recruitment, which is pretty soon, I think, what, what you know, what am I going to do? Do I want to be, I love recruitment. I've done it for a long time. And I think there has to be a reason and a driver internally. I mean, mm. Amy, you said this, you when you move careers, you, you, you've got to be passionate about yeah. that career and you've got to be interested in it because, or you're just a journeyman. Yeah. And there are journeymen out there or journeywomen. So I think it's, it's so many people talk about it now, especially in this economy, it's because they're unhappy in their current roles mm-hmm. and they can't see a way out of it, not because they necessarily want to change industries. Yeah. Okay. okay, we have another text message in. This one's anonymous too. It says, I'm not getting invited to interviews I think my CV is above average. Is there a recruitment consultant out there who can help and what are the average fees involved? So, David, let's 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 come to you first, actually. Really? I think I've had quite a lot of time, haven't I? Go on, answer <laughs> the question. Okay. Um, and, and, and do you want to do you want there's another part to that about the average fees, isn't it? Let me just be very yeah. clear. As a candidate, you don't pay the recruitment company. Mm. Um, clients pay us. So if, if a recruitment company is asking you for money, they shouldn't be. It's uh, it's against the law. And this is a common thing. We see, mm. see it so many times on, on forums, on groups, and they're saying, yeah. oh, these recruiters are charging me X amount, 100 dirhams they for can't. this and this. Okay. Yeah, you know, the Ministry of Labour is very clear about that. And you can't charge at both ends. So we typically charge our, our clients. Um, 
in not getting interviews, uh, it's very difficult to say because I don't know what the person's background is, but what what typically, the way people apply for jobs now, they just send their CVs. There's no human interaction. Mm. So what you should be doing is is targeting the individual you want to send your CV to, link into them first, send them a message through LinkedIn maybe, um, and then try your utmost to get in contact with this person um, to show that you're the right individual for it. If you just send your CV and forget about it, nobody will come back to you. Adam mentioned, we're getting so many CVs at the moment that we are, it's almost becoming very difficult to manage that flow. And Adam, what would you say to that person that's texting? First of all, they're saying, in their opinion, their CV is above average, which is very, very subjective as well. Mm. I think it's that subjectivity and um, just building on what David said, it, it, it's about going the extra mile because if a client's sitting there, they're getting a thousand CVs, they can't go through all of those, you know, five minutes per CV. You have to keep on persevering, contacting them, using your networks, calling up the HR guys internally, uh, almost pestering them to some extent. And uh, I mean, feel free to pester Dave at Mackenzie Jones if you wish. Um, no, but all jokes aside, off, off air, feel free to send that CV to me and I'll have a look and I'll be happy to give some good advice. Okay. And so, like you mentioned, you get, you know, interns approaching you on LinkedIn, on places like that, because they're struggling to find their way. They're new to the, you know, jobs market and it's tough. So if it's tough for an experienced lawyer, it's tough for someone starting out. Um, you know, what would you say to someone who says, well, my CV's great, but I'm not getting anywhere? Um, I think uh, the starting point, and I see this a lot in the legal profession as well, for a lot of you know young law graduates um, who don't have any experience. Um, I think sometimes to start out as a volunteer somewhere, mm. you know, just to you know kind of like go knock on the door, ask to speak to the HR manager, um, and that's another thing. That's another point that I'd like to um, like mention. Um, is that a lot of times the candidates go to the wrong person. I mean, I'm, I'm an associate at my firm. I don't know why I'm the one who's getting, you know, all these messages. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> I think they should target the HR person um, mm. who's, you know, working at that, you know, firm. Um, I mean, luckily, I mean, we're a small firm, so I can, you know, contact our HR manager directly. But at a bigger firm or at a bigger organization, sometimes, you know, um, associates wouldn't have time to look at all these messages and, you know, they would just go ignore it. So I would say, um, you know, go go see the organization in person, try to volunteer um, and, and just contact the right person, you know, contact the HR manager um, or the you know recruiter. Please do text us back in and explain why your CV is above average. I'd be intrigued to know. <laughs> You're listening to Drive Live. Emma Brain is here. Tameli, it's away. I'm Natalie Lindo-Taylor. We have three guests in the studio today. Sarah Al-Samurai, an associate at Fixed and Co. Adam Manchang, who is from the Page Group, and David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones. And we've had quite a lot of texts in, but I want to move on to some of the topics we wanted to talk about today in terms of CVs. Now, Sarah, you will be best placed to answer this question in particular. Um, People sometimes flex the truth a little bit um, and sometimes people outright lie on their CVs. In terms of a legal standpoint, where are we in the region in terms of people lying on their CVs and being accountable? It depends. Uh, I mean, everybody kind of stretches the truth on their CV. Um, and to a certain extent, if you're you know, marketing yourself in the correct way, that, 
that that's fine. Um, but when it comes to, I mean, lying about the certifications that you have, that's that's a whole other story. I mean, that's that's a criminal offense. Um, so you will be held accountable if you don't, you know, if you don't have the right certifications or if you're saying that, you know, you graduated from a certain school and you haven't, um, that's when you will be held accountable. But if it's things like, you know, in, in my current role, I've, you know, assisted with uh, a multi-billion dollar project and it was, you know, like a one billion dollar project, for example. I mean, that's, you know, things like that. It's just marketing yourself. Um, and, and that's okay. But when it comes to, uh, I, w- I would say mostly certifications, the places that you've worked at, that's uh, that that's when you will be held accountable. So has anyone ever been prosecuted for lying on a CV? Um, I suspect not. Not, I, yeah. I mean, I yeah. haven't, I haven't come across any, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> However, you say that, but when I started a job, they asked for proof of my education certificates. Mm. So there was no way I could have lied about them. But I've got, I've got a story here. So okay. I, I placed a, a candidate recently, a really nice guy, um, and he put on his CV that he had a degree, but he'd only done three years of that degree. He hadn't completed his degree, but he didn't put that on there. So he got through the final stage, offered him a job, and then they turned him down when they found out he didn't have a degree. But that's nothing to do with the legality. That is just their own requirements, that they wanted someone with a degree. Because if it was for a lawyer, for example, you would need to be professionally qualified. But if, for example, you've done a degree in geography and the Mm. job that you're going for is, I don't know, a radio presenter, Mm. the geography degree is not necessarily... No, but a lot of places here, and it does stipulate that you have to have a degree to be a manager here. Mm. But it, it's still in it's still in the UA label, or isn't it? Yeah, but mm. I I also think that um, it depends on how he conveyed that on the CV, right? This I is mean, the, this is my yeah. point. Yeah, he he didn't say he didn't finish, he didn't say he did, mm. but he put degree, and that was it. And when I interviewed him, I said, you know, can you show me your attested degree certificates, which we have to ask for, and uh, he said, yeah, I'll get them sent to you. But isn't it the norm as well that if you haven't finished your degree that you would put on the CV that that's pending or something? Yeah, or, right? or incomplete yeah. or finishing, you know, yeah. when, when, when I'm 104 or something. Right, yeah. When I can finally afford to finish it. Um, <laughs> you look at me again, <laughs> No, no, no. Um, Adam, I wanted to ask you this question. It's come in. It says, hi, guys, which sectors are recruiting the most in the UAE at the moment and which professionals are in demand uh, currently? Mm. This this one really depends um, to some extent. Well, there's a number of variables, so there's no simple answer. But uh, what we're seeing in terms of recruitment patterns and buoyancy is the mid to junior level is extremely busy for us right now. But when you're discussing, you know, C-suite, director level positions, it's a little quieter in terms of the, the verticals. So in the multinationals, they tend to have their own succession planning. So they tend to have already groomed a number two if the number one leaves. But at the junior end, they're, they're, they're really quite rampant and fairly busy. The family conglomerates, they are by and large doing relatively well. There's certain pockets that are naturally more challenging than others, um, which I won't go into. But certainly the, the conglomerates are doing a lot of hiring at the moment. Um, vertical by vertical, it, it probably would go well beyond this show. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, and, and David, what about you? What areas are you seeing um, in terms of... Because last mm. week you came here and you sort of said, I've got good news this time. Mm. The job market is definitely seeing some improvement. It is, yeah. I mean, our banking team have done very well, best quarter to date for two years. Uh, but oddly enough, our luxury... Re- we have Retail Avenue, that, that luxury retail, that's done really, really well. 
Um, which which surprised me because I didn't think people were buying Gucci handbags or whatever. Obviously they are. Obviously not my market really either. But the other one is um, our tech business, Think Tech, is is that seems to be the flavour of the year. Yeah. You know, and that's things like you remember uh, blockchain with Irina last week and um, business transformation, IT transformation. All those things are starting to happen more and more. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, pretty much all we've got time for this week on Drive Live Talks Careers. Three guests in the studio today, Sarah Al Samurai, who's an associate at Fiction Coast. Sarah, thank you for coming onto the programme. Thank you for having me. Adam Manchang, uh, who's operating director of the UAE Finance Banking and secretarial teams for the Page Group Middle East. Really nice to have you on the programme. Thank you very much indeed. Do you think you'll come back? Definitely. I'd love to. No pressure. No pressure (laughs) like being asked live on air, is there? (laughs) And David McKenzie from McKenzie Jones. David, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Disappointed to find out you're not buying your wife Gucci handbags and keeping that market buoyant. She's probably listening, so now I'm doomed anyway. (laughs) Yes. Elfie, ask him for a nice handbag. It'd be worth it. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.